0: Welcome to Employing Differences, a conversation about exploring the collaborative space between individuals.
1: I'm Karen Gimnig.
0: And I'm Paul Tevis.
1: Each episode, we start with a question and see where it takes us. This week's question is, how do we get people to step up?
0: So this is a situation that both Karen and I encounter with the groups and the organizations and the teams that we work with in different ways, but we think there's a lot of commonalities in the roots underneath them. So I want to start by talking about what this tends to look like with my clients. So I tend to work, you know, in organizational contexts, and often this question, how do I, how do I get people to step up, is usually asked to me by a leader who's in some position of authority. Uh, And they, they want to, uh, this, this is one version of, I want to empower my people, right? But it's, but often we get the, how do I get people to step up? Um, Sometimes this is said a little bit more accusingly, like, well, they just won't step up, or they won't take responsibility, or they won't take ownership. Like, I really want my people to own uh, these things. And where that comes from is usually a feeling of, I am overwhelmed, I want to delegate effectively to my people, and so I need them to take things and run with it. Or also, I know that they have the skills, and they maybe just keep asking me for permission, or they keep asking like what it is that I think. And and some leaders are really conscious of this and they, they, they recognize they're a bottleneck in their process. They're a bottleneck in their organization. And that's the thing that they wanna shift and they wanna move, but they're not really sure how to do that. They're not really sure how to get different behavior out of the people that they're working with. So when I hear this question a lot, that's the context I tend to hear it in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I work largely, as we know, in communities where we're functioning by consensus, where there theoretically isn't hierarchy, where there is no formal hierarchy. Um, And I tend to hear it related to what I would call informal hierarchy. And, And what I mean by that is, theoretically, we're all in equal power. But in fact, some people have a great deal more influence than others. Some people are doing a lot more of the tasks than others. And there are various reasons that shows up, but probably the most common is how long someone's been with the organization. The early founders tend to have a lot of tasks that they're doing. They've done a lot of research. They know a lot about the project. They've got a lot of history with the project. They, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And newcomers arrive with significantly less influence for good reasons. They haven't, you know, they don't know the history. They don't know how things are done. They don't know the common procedures, all that kind of thing. But there's an awful lot of, well, how do we get newcomers engaged? How do we get newcomers to take on tasks? How do we get folks, and sometimes it's not newcomers, there are other reasons, but how do we get people who aren't helping with the work, who aren't coming to the meetings, who aren't participating in the things that we would like everyone to be participating in, how do we get them to show up and participate? And I think from you and I talking that it's largely the same question although in a very different context.
0: Yeah, I the one of the things that I love about uh, doing this show with you, Karen, is that we can have these things that look super different because of the different types of work that we do in the organizations that we work in and, and with, and they turn out to be very similar under the hood and that you actually get to understand that a little bit better by looking at it through two different lenses. So um, the thing that I The first place that I go to when I get asked this question about how do we get people to step up, I always get super curious and try not to be accusatory about asking the question, well, what's happened when people have tried stepping up in the past? Mm -hmm. Because usually what happens is that uh, the reason why people aren't stepping up is they're getting a lot of messages. Uh, that are often subconscious or, or that, that are that are um, hard to pin down about uh, how they shouldn't do that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what? And so I always ask, like, so when people have stepped up, how have you responded? And then how would they say you responded? Uh, mm-hmm. Because usually what we're doing in any social situation is we are doing what we think works in that environment. Uh, what works there and so stepping up like saying hey I want to run with this thing or I want to do something or I want to contribute in some way that's an interpersonal risk like it's a vulnerable thing to do and depending on how we have felt after we've taken that risk indicates whether or not we're willing to take that risk again in the future
1: yeah and I'd go even further. It not only indicates whether I'm willing to take the risk again, it also indicates whether the people around me who watched that happen are going to now take the risk. So it it has there is a culture about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to name one other sort of context for me, which is it may be the case that you have people who actually don't want to do the things you want them to do. like that that's a different problem than we're focusing on this episode. I just want to say. in this episode, where i'm coming from is we've got a group of people who are willing who are motivated who are enthused about their work and their role and participating in the organization and they're not showing up and they're not participating so we're going to assume that we're not looking at just somebody who's completely in the wrong role and doesn't belong here that would be a different conversation but for people who generally are in the job they should be in in the community they should be in why do they not end up participating and i think you're right a lot of it can sort of track to what happens when they when they try to participate and i think one of the most common things is that you know if, if i've been doing a job for a long time I'm like i really would like help with this job i have a lot of clarity about the right way to do the job and how it gets done and in a lot of ways what i'd really like is somebody who would just take the tasks from me and do them exactly the way I've always done them. And for most folks, you know, that might work on a factory floor, but we're really not talking about a factory floor, we're talking about creative and relational spaces. And the people that we want in those spaces are going to be people with enough sort of creativity and problem solving and agency and just their own character coming in, they're going to want to bring themselves into it. And they're gonna have ideas of how to do things different and better, maybe better for the organization, maybe better for them. But if they're the one doing it, that's also valid in my thinking. And so what happens is the ask is, hey, will you come help me with this? And and the specificity of exactly what it is that I want maybe isn't there. And then the answer is, yes, I'm glad to help you with that. And it turns out that the, the this and the that ain't the same thing like what the thing that was asked and the thing that was offered look like they match but in fact weren't well communicated and so the person the sort of trainer in this case or the one handing something off or you know or in the case of hierarchy the boss um ends up responding possibly directly negatively or possibly it's in posture and facial expressions and there's you know a lack of enthusiasm and oh hum but that the net communication is yeah you're not actually doing the thing i want it's actually not good that you're doing this thing and so the person goes well i thought i was being helpful and i mean i can think of a time i got caught in that where i was part of an organization and the leadership was exhausted and here's this new person. And they said, oh, you'll get, come, you know, come and be the president and do the thing. So I got all enthused and said, okay, there, are, you know, these are the things I'd like to see the organization get stronger in. And I went and read the old bylaws and I was implementing within their rules. And they went, wait, 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 you're changing everything. Cause we haven't used those bylaws in ages. And I'm like, why did you give them to me? <laughs> but But they had this, historic thing you know they had ownership in an idea and a way that they were attached to and their sort of formal or you know clear language was all around welcome and yes come do it and all of that but actually the amount of control that they were willing to hand off was practically non-existent Mm -hmm. and so it got into a huge tangle because what they were asking and what i was offering we thought were the same thing but in fact were very different
0: hmm So one of the things that is useful to ask when you're thinking about, well, how do I get people to step up is what might happen if they do? Right. Because what you're talking about is actually creating a different pattern of relationship and of working in your context, right? There is an existing pattern that's there and whether or not you like the results you're getting from it, it's a familiar and comfortable one. People know how it works. So what you're actually trying to do is create a different pattern, right? Where I'm no longer going to be doing this thing. Someone else is going to be doing it. That, And so now I need to think about suppose, like honestly ask yourself, if you want people to step up, how might you react if they do? And then go, would that encourage them to continue to step up and be aware of what those, you know, those possible things are? How might you respond? And one of the places that can be useful to go is ask people how you have responded in the past, like the people who are no longer volunteering. And this is where this conversation gets super vulnerable, right? People who have stepped up in the past, if you can ask them why they stopped, what you did that caused them to stop volunteering. Because in any pattern, in a there, it takes two to tango, right? If you, if Karen, if you were if I asked you to step up to volunteer to do something and then and, and you stopped, I have to assume I have a part of that. Right. That's not just about you. And so I need to get curious about what was I doing. So if I'm going to ask someone else to step up, to step volunteer to take a thing on, I need to be aware of how I might likely to respond, be to respond and unconsciously, unknowingly, stop them from doing that. And so I think there's a really important question here um, that people need to ask themselves when they want people to step up, what might ha- What might I do if people do?
1: Mm-hmm. And two layers of that. So one is, do I really want them to step up? Am mm-hmm. I really ready to let go of this? Mm-hmm. And this is a place where I think a hierarchical environment that you work in is pretty different than the, the more collaborative and, or equal balance you know level playing field that I work in which is in a hierarchical environment it's totally legit for the boss to say yeah I actually don't want anybody to do that (laughs) like actually now that I've looked at myself and thought about it yeah I want to hold on to this one and that's totally legit in a consensus-based everybody's supposed to be equal environment that can get you into trouble Mm -hmm. um and so if you're thinking I just want to hold on to it you may have some work to do with the group around what that looks like and engaging with somebody who might want to you know take it on about how you're going to navigate that that everybody can feel good about it but i do think that's the first question is do i would i rather just hold on to it and Mm -hmm. if so what does that mean and what do i need to do to Mm -hmm. either hold on to it or to do my own work and let go of holding on to it
0: i want to throw one thing in there that even in hierarchical organizations one of the challenges that people have as they grow through those hierarchical leadership roles is that they hold on to stuff that they shouldn't right? right their boss is telling them you are continuing to do your old job you need to let that go you need to let your people step up to do the job you used to be in so you can do the job that you're in now and yeah. so and so that shows up too like there are reasons why we're uncomfortable doing it but i'll point out that it shows up even in hierarchy
1: Yeah, totally makes sense. So so that's the first question is, do I want to hold on to it? Recognizing all of the implications of what that might mean and what I might need to do to be able to do that. And then the second question is, if I actually do want to let go of it, what has to change in me for that to be feasible? And I would take it even further, which is how broadly can I let go of Mm -hmm. So it's not just, okay, you start keeping the books, and if you want to change from Mm -hmm. the spreadsheet we've been using to QuickBooks, like I can let go of that, maybe I want to let go broadly enough to say, should we open the idea of hiring somebody to do it outside? Should we open our whole financials up? Should we look at procedures for how financial information is flowing? Like, do I want to really broadly welcome partner in the role that I'm in, or in the work that I'm in, or in the project that I'm in? Um, And if I want to do that, how do I get clear about letting go?
0: Mm -hmm. One of the things that, uh, there's a couple of things that I think are useful in that idea of letting go. Because when you're letting go, you are giving up control, or at least the feeling of control that you have, and you're handing that over to somebody else. Um, And there's a couple of things that I think are useful that can help that process happen. One of them is happening, ha- letting it happen gradually. Great, right now it's 100% I'm doing this and 0% you're doing this. So we probably, if this is something big, we may not wanna switch that all at once where it becomes, mm-hmm. and it may not be possible for you to now be doing it 100% and me for be do- doing it zero, right? That just might not be, happen, be able to happen. So one of the things that's useful to do is look at how might we gradually transition that? what are the things that you what's the first thing that you might step up and take over from me what's mm-hmm. the what and then how can we we move through that and at each step along that way there's a couple of things that happen one of them is i get a much better sense of do you understand the why of what of what we're doing here? Why does it happen this way? What's the the shared objective that we're actually doing this? And this is the idea of, of am I creating clarity about why this needs to happen? Because I need to know that you're clear about what it is that we're trying to do, what the purpose of this thing is, rather than just like going through the rote motions of it. And then this and, and as you dem, as you do more and more of that, I can feel more like, oh yeah, you understand that. But also it gives both of us the opportunity to observe your competence, that mm-hmm. you you actually have the skill to do this. It's not enough that I believe that you, that you want it to go this way, but we both need to know that you're capable of doing it. Once I can see both of those, I can generally feel more comfortable handing off control to you, and you probably feel more comfortable taking it because, uh, probably because my anxiety is going down, um, <laughs> that I'm relaxing more. The relational space between us is actually easier to work in because I'm calming down about it. But you're also developing confidence because you're doing it. You're doing more and more of it. You're demonstrating to yourself that you have the skill um, and that you're getting the, the results that you want. So that's kind of a, often a process that I think about when, like, what does the actual transition, even if I, if I get to the point where, yes, I know that I need to stop doing this thing, and I need someone else to take it over, and I need them to step up, I want that, uh, I'm willing to try it, um, then what does trying it actually look like? And and I think that gradual process uh, is often one of the better ways that we can actually start to shift that pattern.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And within that i would say being able to really authentically share where we are yeah being able to say okay i'm handing this off and actually i don't really want to like there's a part of me that would like to hold on to it there you know i whatever the story is but being Mm -hmm. able to just really authentically name this is where I am with this. This is how I can support you. This is what I'm going to need from you. These are the pieces that are going to be harder for me. These are the pieces mm-hmm. that are easier for me. And and both and both parties
0: mm-hmm. doing
1: that. And then building into that transition sort of check-ins of, you know, I, I know I'm trying to let go of a thing. I'm probably not great at that. How's it going for you? And And what's that working like on your end? What do you need from me to feel Mm -hmm. successful in this? What ideas do you have that maybe I haven't heard yet? Like just getting really curious and just, and taking time in a very intentional way within that transition to be checking in and see what's working and getting feedback on where am I holding too tightly and where am I not? And you know, that kind of thing. So I think that authenticity piece Mm -hmm. going with the vulnerability that you've been talking about and and just the intention of the process. The more that we can be really clear about this is the thing I'm asking you to do, this is the thing I'm not asking you to do, this is where you might get mixed messages from me because actually I have mixed feelings about this, those kinds of things Mm -hmm. really pave the way for both a smoother process to begin with and for cleaning up the mess where it's not smooth.
0: Mm-hmm. And it comes down to largely an issue of trust. And the thing is that trust is what's required when we don't know it will work. We, we can't actually wait until we are certain that it will work in order to trust. Trust is, goes the other way around. You actually have to trust first, knowing that there are going to be areas where it doesn't and that you're able to repair it. But you can't, and I think this is where we often get caught, right? In that I want someone to step up, but I don't trust that they can do it yet. They want to step up, but they don't trust me not to just stomp all over them, right? Or to to react badly. And the thing is that we can't wait for the trust to develop. We actually have to start moving forward as though it's already there, because that is the thing that actually develops it. It's stepping vulnerably into that unknown space. That creates the trust that's necessary to proceed further. And so how can you basically create small windows of vulnerability where we're not going, great, it's yours, good luck. Uh, And then, you know, that zero to 100 sort of thing. Um, How can we proceed through that so that we build the relationship, we build the trust, we build all those things as we work through it?
1: Yeah. So I think kind of where we've traveled today is starting with that, how do we get people to step up? And looking at both within a hierarchy where it may be a boss trying to get others to step up and maybe not be asking permission so often and that kind of thing. And in non hierarchical consensus based organizations where there is an informal hierarchy actually at play and you're trying to transition tasks. Often to new people and and the tracking that we're going with this is first, if you are the person trying to hand things off if you're the person trying to get others to step up, the first thing is really to look at yourself do i really want to hand this off am i acting like i really want to hand this off what am i doing and how is it landing for other people and probably even asking others around you like looking for what's happened when i've been in this situation before and where do i need to go with it and then based on that kind of internal look decide do i actually really want to hand it off and if i do well if i don't want to hand it off what do i need to do about that like what does that put me in and if I do how can I do that through a process that takes the time that it should take that is small pieces of vulnerability and trust building along the way with a whole lot of authenticity and sharing of sort of step-by-step and reasonable bite-sized pieces but really handing things off and trusting as a lead before we know for sure it's going to work in fact when we're pretty sure it's going to be messy in some places and trusting enough to share really authentically what we're experiencing and inviting our partner in this transition to do the same.
0: Yeah, you know, we make it sound so easy, or at least simple, (laughs) but it it might be simple, but never easy. Well, that's gonna do it for us today. Until next time, I'm Paul Tevis.
1: And I'm Karen Gimnig, and this has been Employing Differences.